Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called All the Single Ladies. We'll be examining the lives of three godly women in the Bible who make an impact for the kingdom. Over these three weeks, we'll find that God equips all of his people to serve him. Female and male, single and married, no matter their relationship status or their gender, everyone has a part to play in the kingdom. We are in week two. Hold up two. Make sure you're with me. Okay, good, good. Um, We are in week two of our series, All the Single Ladies, and so I'm going to give you a brief recap, and then we're going to jump into today's message. Um, Just forewarning, usually we take a section of scripture, right, and we kind of go through it, uh, maybe a few verses, and it takes us about 40 minutes, okay? I have four chapters to get through today. Four chapters. And I've got to do it, not in 40 minutes, but I have got to do it in 15 to 20. So what I, what I want you to do is just reach over your, your left shoulder. Now would be a good time, Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right, audience participation award, okay, and then bring it around here and go ahead and buckle up, click it in, all right, good. Some of y'all had no idea what was going on, and it's okay, it wasn't weird, you can come back next week, it's not, not going to get too crazy. Last week, we talked about Lydia, um, and, and let me just recap for a moment why we're having this series to begin with. Um, single women in church are by far one of the most overlooked groups. And by single, I don't mean that you just have never been married. I mean those who have never been married. I'm talking about those who have been through divorce. I'm talking about those who have lost their spouse. And, and if I'm just going to be transparent with you today, I am struggling Is that okay to say? I'm struggling because last Thursday I laid a friend to rest. 55 years old. um, And his wife, Mel, may be watching. Justin, Brittany may be watching. They were here in the sanctuary grieving the loss of their father and husband at the age of 55. Had He had survived two bouts of cancer. um, And and then contracted COVID most recently. Destroyed his lungs. Destroyed his lungs. To the point he needed a lung transplant. But you can't get on the UNOS transplant list unless you're COVID negative. And so since he was always COVID positive, he slipped into um, critical care, and intensive care, and then he went to be with Jesus. And as I saw their family here on Thursday, and I was thinking about today's text, I was struggling because 
How many of you have ever entered a season of life that you just never anticipated coming? Yeah. And not only it may be, and sometimes those seasons can be happy, right? Like Kirsten and I, we did not plan on having two babies in diapers. Never the plan, okay? Not a good plan ever. But what a blessing, right? But then there are the, there's the unexpected, there's the unthinkable things that happen that you think you're never going to come back from. And it's in these seasons where questions, everybody say questions, questions begin to plague your mind like, is God actually good? Have you ever asked that question? Is God actually faithful? And so I, I just, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you I'm struggling today because all I can see is a picture of Kevin as I read these texts and we look at someone new today. We talked about Lydia last week and asked ourselves the question, what do we do with the gospel? Because the gospel is meant, and, and by gospel, here's what I mean. You're a sinner. You are, re- in your native Skin, you are rebellious against the creator of the universe. And Jesus Christ left his throne, became a man, and laid down his life for payment for your sinfulness. Not because of anything you could do, but just because he's good. That's the gospel, and so... When we talk about what do we do with the gospel, the gospel is more than just saving you. You're supposed to do something with it. So we talked about that last week, that singleness is not the end of your life, that not, getting, not being married yet isn't the end. And what I've come to tell you today, that divorce and death are still not the end. So we encouraged our singles to get in the fight and then we encouraged the church to encourage and create space for our singles, our widows, our divorced so that they can pursue all God has called them to do now, not later, now. And so today we land in Ruth and we're gonna talk about Naomi. Everybody say Naomi. That's a fun name. You know what Naomi means? Pleasant. Yeah, it does. The name Naomi means pleasant. And and I can think of about five people right off the top of my head that I would never name Naomi. Is that okay to say? (laughs) That was good. I didn't have that written down. And what you need to know about Ruth, okay, so let's, you ready? We're going to go through four chapters very, very quickly, but what you need to understand about Ruth is we could spend months in Ruth because of simply the foreshadowing and the types that we see all through Ruth that point forward to Jesus Christ coming, being our kinsman redeemer like Jesus Christ was, is our kinsman redeemer. We see Ruth, this 
a pagan woman uh, come into contact with God's people and they be led back to Boaz. But let, let, let's start at the beginning of the story. And then we'll get to the text that Miss Murtis read. Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses here. Starting in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech. Okay, everybody say Elimelech. It's just fun to say. That's the only reason I had you say it. And his wife's name was Naomi. Their two sons were Milon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah. Hey, write these down. Write these down for the next one we have. And the other one was named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon, the, uh, they settled there. Two sons. Did I skip a verse? I feel like I skipped a verse. Anyway, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone with her, without her two sons or her husband. We are introed into the book of Ruth with this story. There's a famine. How many of you like to eat? Guess what you don't get to do during a famine? Eat. So what do you do? What do you do? What? So Elimelech and his family, instead of hanging in there with the people of God, decided to run to a pagan land where they could get some food. Where they could get some food. Elimelech was able to get his wife Naomi and their two sons to this town called Moab where they could eat and survive this famine. Well, then Elimelech dies. Naomi's husband passes away. But then even after that happens, Naomi's two sons marry two Moab pagan women, okay? Okay, don't think about any daughter-in-laws you have, okay? I see some of you. I see the thoughts floating above your head. My son, my daughter married a pagan too. No, no, don't think about that. They married these pagan women, these Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, and then they died 10 years later. Loss is inevitable on this side of glory. Loss is inevitable this side of glory. And the very first thing I want to point to when we talk about God's faithfulness is this. God's faithfulness is not circumstantial. God's faithfulness is not circumstantial. What do you mean, pastor? Here's what I mean. When you look at 
Naomi's life at this point. She has lost her husband 10 years later. She loses two sons. She's watching her closest family die around her. She's left with two daughter-in-laws. And one would tend to look at this situation in a foreign land nonetheless. She's not home. They've moved somewhere else. Our, many of our defaults say this, that when good things are happening, God's faithful. But then when bad things start happening, we begin to question his faithfulness. That all of a sudden, God is no longer good because things have gone bad for me. And what I've come to declare to you based on this story of Naomi is that his faithfulness does not hinge on our circumstances. He's still faithful even when everything around us is falling apart. In fact, I would say nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. What do you mean? Well, some of us would... People in culture, in in the world around us would say, well, sometimes things just happen. And they use other terminology as well that I can't use behind the pulpit and be a pastor. So, um, but nothing just happens. In fact, I would say that even in death, even in sickness, even when you're not able to comprehend and understand, God is still good, God is still faithful, and in fact, God's will is still intact. The devil has not taken the steering wheel and wrecked the car. God is still in control. You can look throughout Scripture and also find this. Look at the story of Jonah, right? Jonah was told to go tell these people about that there is a God, okay, that can redeem you. Stop sinning. Turn to God. And he didn't want to do that because he didn't like them. Have you ever not told someone the good news because you just don't like them? You would never admit it here. (laughs) So Jonah jumps on a ship. Do you remember this story? Even people in culture have heard this story. You know, because they question the big fish. But here's the deal. Jonah gets on the ship, is defiantly running away from God, rebelling. And his rebellious, selfish attitude jumps on a ship to get away from what God has called him to. And he, even in his rebellion, was still in God's will. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because it just so happened that the storm came and there just so happened to be a big fish that happened to be at the boat at just the right... No. God is at work even in the mess. You've heard us say that here multiple times. God is at work even in the mess. Even in the darkest nights, God's hand is at work even though we can't see it. God's faithfulness is not circumstantial. I, look, I don't know what you came in here with today. Many of you are thinking about your own circumstances and trying to assess whether God is actually faithful. I've come to tell you, he is. He is. Number two, God's faithfulness does not hinge on our faithfulness. Hey, this is good news for you. 
Yeah, because you're not faithful at all. As a matter of fact, at the first fleshly chance you get, you'll, you'll turn on God in a quick minute. Because, look, okay, let me step over here for a second. I need to handle this. Many, many of you read the Bible and you're always the hero. Like, oh, you know what? I'm like Peter. You know what? I'm like Peter. I would have chopped that dude's ear off. They wouldn't have taken Jesus. Or, ah, you know, I would have never denied Jesus. You make yourself the hero. You realize you're not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. Yeah, yeah. And all you see is strong men and women who uh, were written about in Scripture constantly at the whim. Look at Moses. Moses lost his temper for a quick minute and disobeyed immediately. God's faithfulness does not hinge on our faithfulness. Look, so not only does Naomi have an extended season of loss, after this loss, she decides she's going back home. How many of you have had kids move back into your house? Anybody? It, all, it happens. I've been told I can't really downsize. So, no, somebody told me I should downsize because it keeps the kids out of the house. No, it doesn't. I've got people shaking their heads. No, they'll move in the closet. Okay, got it. So Naomi, uh-oh, hold on. Oh, there's the clock. Okay, I'm good. Naomi says, it's time to go home. I have no husband. Back then, without men in your life, you were left really open to a lot of danger. Okay? A lot of danger. And so uh, with her husband and sons dead, there was no one to care for her. So she said, I'm going to go home. Um, she's in old woman at this point. She has lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And she tells her two daughter-in-laws, hey, go back to your parents' houses and you can find husbands and may God bless you. But then we see Naomi has a little bit of an attitude here. How many of you have attitudes? Okay. Watch Naomi. Watch Naomi. Verse 8. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then, he, then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. So the daughter-in-laws are like, we're coming with you. And then Naomi, look, Naomi pops off on them right here. Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons? Look, she's having an attitude. She's, Who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now look, generally speaking, when you talk to people who have experienced loss, you kind of have to let them vent. That's basically what's happening right here. She's venting, but what happens when she vents? She points right back at God. God's not faithful. 
He's turned against me. Look, she does it again. If you keep on going in the first chapter here, um, Orpah ends up leaving, and then Ruth says, no, I'm going with you anyway. And then we find that Naomi doesn't even say, okay, look, it's okay, you can come with me. She just doesn't say anything else. And then uh, she gets back home, all right? And then everybody says, is that really Naomi? And look at Naomi's response in verse 20. Don't call me Naomi. She responded instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty made life very bitter for me. I went away full. Oh, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such a tragedy upon me. Now she's right in one thing that God, everything filters through his hands. There's nothing that comes in contact with your life that God has not filtered, that God has not had control of. But what she is pointing at God is that the Lord is after her. Why? Because she left the land full. Look, why did they leave? Do you, quiz, pop quiz. Why did they leave? Famine. But how does, now, how does she see it now? How does she see it now? She was full. And she's returning, what? Empty. Have you ever felt empty? When, you, when you've experienced loss, there's an emptiness. There's an emptiness. And even though Naomi has a little bit of an attitude towards God here, God's faithfulness isn't hinging on her, her faithfulness. It's not. Her attitude isn't going to deter his faithfulness. She is not able to see what he's up to. But it says, Naomi returned to Moab accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. You remember how we said nothing just happens? We have a widow here. Someone that oftentimes when people lose someone, uh, you, you'll see this if you lose someone. Um, people are really good about um, loving on you up front. And then as the weeks and months go by, people stop checking in as much. She's experienced loss. She feels alone. She feels empty. But yet God is still faithful. That's, look, this is a hard pill to swallow. Okay? This, this is tough to chew on today because um, everything we're experiencing, we oftentimes cannot see his hand in movement. But we said nothing just happens. Here is um, Naomi. She's come back home at the harvest just all of a sudden. At that time, no, Lord, the Lord's about to line something up. And what we're about to find is that God is faithful even in our loss, even in our emptiness. And there is a way to move past and move on. I want you to take a look and I want you to meet Miss Sharon. Uh, she's got a great testimony that I want you to hear. 
Well, thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me um, just about life. And uh, this particular series, last week we talked about Lydia. And this week we're talking about Naomi. And we wanted to hear from some of our um, women um, who are single, um, but not necessarily all women who have never been married. And in this case, um, when we talk about Naomi and her story, um, there were some similarities with your story and how God has worked in your life. Now, um, but first, let's introduce everybody to you. What uh, Tell us your name and kind of how God is using you here at uh, Transformation. My name is Sharon, uh, and I work in the Children's Church and help out there. Yeah. Kids are awesome. Yeah. And um, I just love it, just being a part of the fellowship and the family here. And you've been helping, really, you jumped right into kids' ministry almost as soon as you got here. It was a short time afterwards, yes. Yeah, it was close. Um, and the kids love you. Now, <laughs> Macy Macy will, um, when we come to staff meeting, you've helped us out at staff meeting as well with child care, and Macy will often ask is Miss Sharon going to be there? She loves Miss Sharon. All the kids do. Um, and now we first met you and actually your son Isaac. So Isaac plays bass on our worship team mm-hmm. and electric and saxophone. Super talented guy. Um, and so people will often see you in service when you're in service doing also American Sign Language. Now, yes. one thing I've never known, when did you start doing sign language? Oh, goodness, uh, before I got married. Okay. Um, I did it, um, and I like to do it when I worship because, to me, it's like a additional way of praising the Lord. Wow. And often I'll just close my eyes. If I know the song, I'll just close my eyes, and it's just me and the Lord. Yeah. And it's just a way to get what I'm feeling inside out yeah. to Him. Wow. I, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And uh, the first time, uh, actually, I met you and me and my wife, uh, we met, Kirsten knew you guys way before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Kirsten and I met, I started playing keyboard uh, at the church we attended previously mm-hmm. together, which is where I met Isaac and I met you. Um, I would see you uh, signing out mm-hmm. there and worshiping. And, um, and one thing I've always seen true of you is that you you're always diving in. Uh, you're always trying to be helpful, trying to serve. Um, and it's been impactful to me. It's been impactful to our family and our church, obviously. It was impactful there. Um, and so I, me and Isaac have served together at, at a previous church. And I remember, I think he was, he had switched up instruments. And I remember asking my in-laws, I was like, what? where does he get this musical talent? Because I see you out there worshiping and um, and they mentioned Arnold. Arnold taught himself how to play the trumpet. Um, he loved music, but my father um, played violin, okay. and he actually won a competition uh, Virginia statewide when he was 12 years old. No way. Mm-hmm. So Isaac kind of gets it. Now, who's who's Arnold? Because they, they may my not... My husband, my, my late husband. Your late husband. Um, and... He was in the choir, I think, at Victory, or he played in the band? Or? He was. He, he sang in the choir at Victory, but 
the first church that we went to, yeah. he actually preached. No he was, yeah, he was. He used to preach a lot. Wow. Tell me, uh, now, I did. I never got to meet Arnold. Um, I went by the time I got to Victory and played keys with Isaac. Uh, they said, "Man, you would have loved Arnold." Tell us, tell us a little bit about him. How did y'all meet? When did y'all get married? How long were y'all? We met in church. Okay. And um, we were married almost 28 years. Uh, he's originally from New York City. Yeah. And raised in a single family home. Wow. Um, he was a, was a Vietnam vet. Okay. Um, and he um, he loved to make people laugh. Okay. And I heard he was a fun guy. Yeah. I mean, he would, he if he knew he could tease with you, uh-huh. he would tease. He was um, Puerto Rican. Yeah. But he looked more... Uh, Puerto Ricans have three bloods that run in them. Okay. Taino Indian, yeah. African American, yeah. and Spaniard. Okay. And he leaned more towards the African American and the Taino Indian. Okay. And so he had an African American man come up to him one time at where he was working yeah. and say, What are you? And he'd go, I'm tired. <laughs> and he'd turn around and walk off. That's the kind of humor he had. Okay. And Isaac has the same humor. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Isaac, we love Isaac, um, and he, he brings so much to our team. Um, and uh, one of the things I, I kind of wish is that I had gotten a chance to meet Arnold. I feel like we would have had a good time together. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but tell, this is kind of where your story and Naomi's um, have some similarities. And so why don't you share kind of with it, there could be, you know, our church and those who watch this, what... Um, can you describe to us, tell us a little bit what was on, how how you lost Arnold, and that season leading up to that, what, what kind of led up to that? He was in um, Agent Orange um, area in Vietnam, and we're not sure if that had a lot to do with his illnesses. He um, was sick probably five years before he actually passed. In the wow. last year, Almost every other weekend, I had him in the hospital. Really? Um, you know, and the last time he was in there, he was in there for an extended period of time. Um, the one thing that I, I like to share is that um, through it all, you know, um, I felt supported by the Lord the yeah. whole time. Wow. But right at the end, he, they had put him in an induced like coma kind of thing, and they had said his blood pressure kept dropping and okay. kept dropping. Sure. They said, we've done everything we can. What do you want to do? And I says, well, that's not life. Yeah. And I know where he's going because I'm not going to lose him. It's just going to be separation for a period of time. Right. But I know where he's going. Yeah. And... So they started backing away his medicines once I got the kids there. And his, he was complete, his eyes were completely closed and everything. And I looked up at the monitor and in my heart, I never said it out loud, in my heart, I said, God, won't you give them back to me long enough for me to say goodbye? And my daughter said, Mama, look. And I said, what? She says, look. And I looked and his eyes were open and fixed on me. And I said, honey, don't you worry, we're going to be okay. I says, 
I love you and I know you love me. Yeah. I choose to remember the good times and not the bumps in the road. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said a few other things that nobody would understand. It was between him and me. And I saw a single tear run down his eye. That's how I knew he knew exactly what I was saying. He looked at both his kids, and he was gone. But God honored that. You know, at that time, it was it was like a plea to God that I never even spoke verbally, except from my heart, and God honored it. And so it just shows me God was there the entire time. And I had been like like rubbing his face and stuff like that. And the nurse turned to me and she said, you taught me something. And I looked at her and she went, and, you know, it was just like God was in the whole, it was his time. So you it was his time. Mm-hmm. 28 years. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and from what most would probably say, not an anticipate, how you anticipated things going. Oh, no. It was unexpected. Uh, obviously kind of a rough last few years but I mean nobody anticipates losing someone after 28 years Um, and but you continued you stay you you move forward and you're even talking about God's faithfulness in that moment can can you tell me how God how you've seen God be faithful to help you continue after that that unthinkable well you go through a time you know, there were times that I literally would feel like the air was sucked completely out of my body, and I would gasp for air. And at the same time, it was almost like I felt God wrap his arms around me wow. and hold me. See, I knew I could get strength from you, you or someone talking to you about it. But as soon as you left, your peace was going to leave with you. But God is with me all the time. His peace never leaves me because he never leaves me. He's always with me. So I knew from the get-go that I had to grab hold of him and hold on to him with everything that I had. And in the midst of the times through the crying or whatever, I held on to him. And his peace stayed with me because he stayed with me. There was a time, I got a letter from the, uh, an invoice from the uh, hospital his last day. Hundreds of thousands of dollars they told me the insurance company was going to pay. I said, God, what am I going to do? The Holy Spirit came and he says, you remember Hezekiah, don't you? And I go, oh, yeah. I took that invoice and I went to the table and laid it out. And I said, God, just like Hezekiah laid out that letter to you, I'm laying this invoice out to you. I can't take care of that. I need you to take care of it. And I left it at the feet of God. Didn't even worry about it. Letter, I got a week later. I got a letter from the hospital saying the bill's been taken care of. Wow! So it's times like that, and you know, we sang a song at the old church that said, Your latter rain shall be greater than your former rain. I didn't ever believe it, sang it, but I didn't believe it. My latter rain is greater. My situation right now, financially, physically, everything is greater than it was before. Wow, God has honored he has shown himself faithful over and over and over again yeah. I mean 
I'm not into the fancy clothes. I'm not into the fancy car. I don't do the jewelry. Don't do the makeup. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. But God made me this way because he, he causes those blessings to come. Yeah. And and I'm I'm in a great place right now. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm in a great <laughs> I'm in a great place right now. You know. Sure. And God just over and over and over again. It's you know. Faithful. Yeah. And I know there's more for me. I'm still here. And God has more for me than getting up and going to work every day yeah. and coming home so tired I can't I don't feel like doing anything. That's not my destiny in God. Yeah. God's got more for me. It's just getting to where it is. Wow. And I know he's going to take me there because he's shown himself faithful all my life. Yeah. Even when I was rebelling against him, yeah. he still showed himself faithful yeah. to me because I can look back and see it now. Yeah. And I know that there's more coming. I know that, and I get excited because I know there's more up there mm. for me. So even when we're not faithful and even when we experience the unthinkable his faithfulness is what we can lean on it's his consistency it's the only thing that's going to get you through it yeah is grabbing a hold of the hand of god and let him lead you through it yeah you know i can't i can't imagine how people get through something like this yeah without god how long has he been going now eight years eight years here you are today, um, encouraging who, other widows, other, um, and 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 you have not been defined by that. I, many people may not even know this about you. You have charged forward, and His faithfulness has carried you, and you have passed that on not only to your son and your your daughter and and um, your your family, but you're passing it on to those in our church and our kids. I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your faithful witness of God's faithfulness to you, um, even when the unthinkable happens like that. Um, so thank you. I'm, I'm glad welcome. you spent some time with me today. Yeah. And I think this is going to be um, helpful. I think it's going to impact things. It's been a blast. Amen. Cool. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Did I do okay? <laughs>
or defined by your financial status or defined by what happened to you or defined by the, the dark nights that you've walked through or, or, or defined by your abandonment or your addiction. You don't have to be defined by your sin. Hear me today. God is faithful. God is faithful. If we go to what Miss Murtis read this morning, what we find is if God's faithfulness is not circumstantial and God's faithfulness is not based on my faithfulness, what is it based on? God's faithfulness is based in his will and character. Why is God faithful? Because it's who he is. We see a widow. One daughter-in-law is left, one remains. We skipped over a big portion of the scripture where Ruth goes because it's harvest time because they just happened upon Bethlehem at harvest time and just happened that one of uh, Naomi's uh, descendants was there owned one of the fields. And in, um, when they would harvest the fields, now this, this is not the most capital, I know we're a capitalistic nation, but this isn't the most capitalistic thing. Typically, if, if you harvest a field, you want to get every dime out of it, right? That was not Jewish custom. No, if you were a, a follower of the God of Israel, you would harvest, but you would leave a remnant so that the poor and the foreigner could go sift through your field to sustain themselves. And so this is, what, this is how Ruth came across Boaz. This is how Ruth came across Boaz. Because it was Boaz's field. Boaz just happened to be Naomi's relative. Which means that Boaz could redeem what has been lost Oh, hear me today. Boaz could redeem what was lost. Now, there was a little story in here where there was another guy who was actually next in line other than Boaz, another relative, cuz. Let's call him cuz. His name isn't in the Bible. Uh, the, the name uh, that they kind of give him in Scripture uh, really just translates Mr. So-and-so. He's been forgotten. So Boaz has to go through this little process where he gathers 10 elders, he takes them to the gate so that they can do business, okay? And they bring this cuz over and says, hey, you've got an inheritance. Naomi's back in town, her husband's dead, her kids are dead. Um, you can claim, you can redeem, everybody say redeem, redeem the inheritance. And, and so they knew that Naomi had some land. She had some things that were Elimelech's estate. And so the cuz goes, I'll take it. Right? Well, then Boaz says, but if you're going to take it, you're also going to have to take Ruth as your wife. And what Elimelech realized is that if he takes Ruth as his wife, they're going to have a kid, and that kid will get the inheritance. 
not his family. He, his family wouldn't get anything. It would stay in Elimelech's line. Now listen, this is where God shows up. God shows up because then he's like, no, I don't want any parts of that. I don't want any parts of that. And so Boaz steps in as a kinsman redeemer, marries Ruth, and then we find the text here. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and they became, uh, she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. And then here Naomi shows up in the text again. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Watch this. Verse 16 says, Naomi took the baby, cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he was her own. And the neighboring women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David. Now follow this. And then it gives a lineage. Everybody say lineage. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. I got, where's my wife? Salmon, put it on the list. Love Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz, who married Ruth, was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. You know who was supposed to come in the line of David? Our Redeemer. Just sit under that for a second. Your Redeemer. Right here we see Naomi. The things that she had lost were redeemed. God was faithful. Even when she had her fits. Even when she thought that God was after her. Even after all of that loss. God's faithfulness is based in his will. He was completing something. He was doing something. Nothing in this life is purposeless. Even the pain the loss even the loneliness God is working something out we hear it in the text when he says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everybody say purpose. Hey, hey, does that mean everything looks good for a Christ follower? 
I can unequivocally tell you no. And as we have widows in this room, divorcees in this room, those who have experienced loss, and here we are looking at a single woman, Naomi, today, and her impact on the gospel that she, God carried her in his faithfulness because he was trying to accomplish something. And honestly, it's also based in his character because he is good. And he does not lie. He's incapable of it. Faithful is who he is. So as we get ready to worship today, and next week we'll close this series, really want you to be here next week. What do you do? What do I do with this? Whatever season you find yourself in currently, trust Him. Trust that it's not meaningless. That it isn't meaningless. Trust that He is good and that He will accomplish what he sets out to accomplish and that is a good comfort to me because when I look up there I don't see a big mean boogie monster I see a loving father who cares and I know many things in this life in singleness in widowing in divorce it can skew our view of God It can skew how we see him. Don't let it. Don't let the circumstances that happen on this earth skew the beautifulness that he is in this book. He is good. He is just. And I declare to you today that even in loss, he will. And now it may not be on this side of glory. It may be on the next. But his glory will be revealed even the most painful things that we experience. Stay faithful. Stay faithful, church. Stay faithful. Stay in the game. Get in the fight. Stay faithful. Father, I'm thankful today for your people. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. God, show your faithfulness through us that as we walk through these dark nights and darker days and rough seasons, Lord, Let your glory and faithfulness be on display in our reactions, in our words, and in our unrelinquishing pursuit of you and your purposes in our lives. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.